Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Alec Callahan, and while we knew it was going to happen, the third great pandemic schedule shuffle has happened. I'll talk about the ones that did and did not move. I'm going to try and read the tea leaves there. Uh, we also, of course, have box office numbers, both domestic and international, so let's get to it. So first place for the second weekend in a row is the Marksman. Shock, I know. Anyway, it came in with $2 million for a total now of $6 million. In second place, again, is The Crudes, A New Age, with $1.8 million for a total of $41.8 million. In third place is Wonder Woman 1984 with $1.6 for a total of $37.7 million. In fourth place is Monster Hunter with $820,000 for a total of $10.1 million. I don't really have anything to say about these numbers since they have been more or less the same for the past few weeks. However, we do have some good news in that Warner Brother is releasing a new movie with The Little Things next week for a wider release. It should easily hit first place. The question is how much will it take? It's got a star-studded cast, but it's a slow crime drama from the looks of it, which might make people not run out to see it, like Wonder Woman. I'm going to say around $8 million. I've noticed more of a marketing push around the movie compared to, say, The Marksman, but with people able to sign up and watch it on HBO Max, it's harder to compare and determine what people will do. While Chinese box office was quiet this weekend, it does look like it has a bomb on its hand. Opening in first place was Big Red Envelope with a measly $8 million. On the rating sites, people are giving it a 4.7 out of 10 on Doban. And surprisingly, a little higher, 8.4 on Moyan, which is a big difference. As to what some of the criticisms are of the movie, uh, Variety reported that they include the main romance was not believable enough, but that for the message of the film, it held back on what it was trying to say. Giving red envelopes of money is a tradition and a big thing in Chinese culture. The movie seemed to want to criticize it, but did not go all the way. From what I'm seeing, if they went all the way, they would at least make some people upset, but then others could respect the commitment. Here, no one is happy with the movie. So with those poor ratings, expect this movie to drop fast next weekend. In second place was The Little Red Flower with $7 million for a total now of $197 million. In third place was Shockwave 2 with $6.4 million. For a total of 175 million. In fourth place was Wish Dragon with 3.4 million for a total of 13 million. And lastly, in fifth place was a Warm Hug with 3 million for a total of 122 million. For Seoul, it made another 2.9 million for a total now of 48.2 million in China, and it is now at 71.2 million internationally. Demon Slayer has also now passed 350 million dollars in Japan. Now let's talk about the big news for the week, and that is the latest pandemic reshuffle. To start off, No Time to Die has moved again officially, going from April to October 8th, 2021. This one makes sense, as the two biggest markets for the movie, the US and the UK, are not out of the woods yet. But the pandemic, and at this point, if they stay in April, yeah, theaters would be open, but there would still be some restrictions. Funny enough, October 8th was the new release date for Morbius. And it looks like Sony does not want to mess around with James Bond because after this announcement, they said Morbius will now come out January 21st, 2022. How will this affect Spider-Man 3, which is supposed to be released this December? We do not know yet. That was not the only Sony move this week, though. Ghostbusters Afterlife got another push back from June 11th to November 11th for 2021. Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, will now come out at that previous spot, so it will be coming out June 11th. The movie adaptation of Uncharted, which was supposed to be a summer blockbuster, will now come out February 11th, 2022. A lot of releases on the 11th for a month 
weird. Finally, from Sony, their version of Cinderella, which was supposed to come out in two weeks, got pushed back to July 16th. I was really curious about what was going to happen with this one, since there's not been a single piece of promotion for it. Paramount made a move as well, pushing back A Quiet Place Part 2 from this April to September 17th. I was surprised by this one, but I guess they know that they can make 250, 300 million worldwide. They want their best shot at it. Disney even made a few moves, but all of them were related to 20th century films. Uh, the Kingsman got another delay, moving from March to August 20th. Ron's Gone Wrong moves from April to October 22nd, and Bob's Burgers loses its April 9th release date and is now unlisted. For Searchlight Movies, Antlers finally got a new release date, with it now coming out October 29th, and Guillermo del Toro's new movie, Nightmare Valley, gets its first release date of December 3rd. With this slew of new release dates, it's clear that most studios are considering May as the new date to launch wide releases. I think Universal not moving F9 right now is a key sign of this because they know it will do good at that end of May slot and will only delay it at the last second. For Disney, yes, Black Widow has a stronger chance of going the same way as Raya and Last Dragon, which is a theater release and premiere access at the same time. Not the ideal scenario for them, but they do need to move Phase 4 of Marvel along and will have to bite the bullet. Hopefully if everything goes well, this will be the last of the delays. Warner Brothers also had some new dates to announce Godzilla vs. Kong got a huge delay of 5 days. It will now open up March 31st domestically, though most international countries will still get it on the 26th. This is not a bad way to cut down on the potential piracy. They also finally set a release date for James Wan's new film, Maligant, which is set to come out September 10th. Both IT movies did well with a September release, so a James Wan horror movie should also do pretty good. For new movies in development, we got an update on the Tomb Raider sequel. Yes, they are making a sequel to it. Deadline has the exclusive that Misha Green will write and direct the movie. This will be her movie directorial debut, and you would know her as the creator and director behind the HBO show Lovecraft Country. Since she is writing the script, this is a movie that is easily two years out, unless she's been writing it, writing it for a while. As of my thoughts on the director choice, I honestly don't know. I have a meaning to watch the show, but I never got a chance to it, so I won't form an opinion on if her work is good or not. There are a few rumors going around that I do want to give my quick thoughts on because, while they're not official yet, if they do become true, it's huge. First is according to the Wall Street Journal, there is some truth to the rumor Christopher Nolan may actually be done with Warner Brothers. The rumor has been for a few weeks now, with it being that after the whole HBO Max announcement, he's actually done working with them and would look to go to another studio for his next movie. If true, this would actually be a big loss for Warner Brothers because Nolan movies have always been consistently good at the box office and was always good for a reliable for a summer blockbuster movie. If he does actually leave, my first guest is Sony than Universal. And it's just based off their release models right now for Sony. It is said they gave Tarantino a lot to do. For Sony, it's said that they have given they gave Tarantino a lot of what he wanted to do Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If they get the chance to do the same for Nolan, they might. With Universal, they would have to have it in a contract his movie stays at least 30 to 60 days in theaters before going to PVOD, but I think they would be able to make that change for him. Another rumor that is less surprising is that Regal is apparently ta talking to Universal about their shortened window offer, the same one AMC and Cinemark have. This is according to a report from the New York Times, and it does not mention if it would just be Regal and not Cineworld in the UK, who would also be affected by the deal. I think after Cinemark made the deal with Universal, it was only a matter of time before Regal agreed. While all the theaters are still closed compared to AMC and Cinemark, the end of the pandemic is coming, and they need to be ready for the rebound, and with that, 
they are not going to just sit out on showing F9 minions to the to, to their customers. They're not. The next step for them would be if they start playing Warner Brothers movies as well, since there's not really any exclusivity window with it being on HBO Max. Finally, for in the pipeline, AMC looks like it has been saved. First, they were able to raise another $900 million in capital to stay afloat for the next few months as things start to open up. But also thanks to the craziness at the stock market, their stock went up and they were able to make some finance moves with the stock and he raised $600 million in debt. So all the focus is on Reddit, GameStop, and hedge funds, AMC was quietly put into a great position coming out of the pandemic. Assuming people start going back to theaters in April, May. If you want to understand exactly how they did it, I recommend looking up some articles about it. Because while I understand the GameStop situation, I don't fully understand how they were able to wipe away millions in debt, so I won't try. Okay, we got some numbers to talk about for VOD Premium. But first, we got some interesting content news from Netflix, Legendary Television, and Netflix. They've come together for two new anime shows, and they are not what you think they are. First is an anime for Tomb Raider, with the only details for it is that it will continue after the reboot trilogy of the last few years. The second is an anime for King Kong, which will be set in the Monsterverse, so this will be the same King Kong you saw on Skull Island. This is not what I expected for a new set of anime series, but if the style and animation is good, then it's not a bad idea. I also wonder how Warner Brothers feels about this, with part of the Monsterverse, I guess, going to Netflix. Obviously, we are not privy to the negotiations. Maybe Warner Media did try to buy it for HBO Max, or maybe they were not interested at all. Anyway, it's going to be a while for these to come out. While they have writers attached, animation does take some time if you want to do it right, which hopefully they do. For NBC Universal, we got a small update on Peacock thanks to their quarterly numbers. They right now have 33 million subscribers, which is up from 28 million from early December. I take it they got a nice boost from the holidays and now being the exclusive place to stream the office. Now, the issue with these numbers, while they look great, is how many are actually paying five to ten dollars per month they did not release those numbers and i think we really need to see those before we start saying what a huge success peacock is we finish up the podcast with at&t quarterly earnings and with it the latest hbo max numbers they announced that they now have over 17 million activated subscribers and that the service can now reach 37.7 million to break down what that means in total between hbo and hbo max they have 41.5 million customers 41 million 37.7 can use HBO Max, and of that 37, 17 million are using. They have to break the numbers down like this because some HBO users do not have access to the streaming service, while some do. My issue with these numbers is that they rarely say how many HBO Max users are people who signed up directly and are not regular HBO Max users. So how do the numbers compare to pre-Wonder Woman 1984? They're pretty good, actually. In early December, they mentioned they had 12.6 million activated users, so they gained just about 5 million in a month between Wonder Woman, the holidays, and a discount deal, they are offering as a solid number. It's not amazing growth, but it's a much-needed boost for the service. It's also important to point out that I think the Roku deal played a role in this because those users could have switched over to the streaming service, so it would have counted as an activation. Now we have to wait and see for the next quarter and what the number stands out as well. Uh, we got Godzilla vs. Kong finishing out right at the end of the first quarter, which should help. My prediction is that it'll hit 22 million activations, because while I do think Wonder Woman helped clearly, uh, until March, Warner Brothers is only releasing big drama films, like the little things, unless everyone goes crazy for Tom and Jerry, which I doubt that the focus will be on Godzilla vs. Khan. As for her, what is the release strategy for HBO Max for 2021? They mentioned the ad supporter model is set for release in the second quarter of the year, so between April and June, but did not mention anything more about it. They also mentioned their continued plan 
to roll out the service internationally, but did not mention when or what countries are lined up for it. And I'll be here for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. We had a lot to go over, but it was a busy week. Anyway, question for the week is like the last one. Have you signed up to HBO Max? If not, why not? And if so, why did you? Let me know on Facebook. Link to the pages in the show notes. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you.